Jay right in your face. Welcome back to episode five of season two of the Fadeaway. I'm your host, Fatty, and alongside me today, my co-host. Zaid, sorry, man. What? I didn't have enough time to come up with the name <laughs> this week, but I promise I'll Bro. come back strong next week. How you doing, Bro, buddy? I have people waiting for the names to come out every week, man. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint, but I think today we're going to we're gonna supplement that disappointment with a pretty dope guest. But yeah. before we get uh, into our guest here, how, how was your week? Tell me. Uh, it wasn't bad. Um, we started our first uh, first week of our, of our of STM. Yeah. League. Yeah. Uh, first game was a forfeit because they didn't have enough guys. So <laughs> nice. But we still we still ran and uh, classic correct league fashion. We're getting a really interesting new addition for this week to our team. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Coming back from retirement, we brought back Fatty back. Uh, we brought Fatty back to <laughs> to the game of basketball. Yeah, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give it a shot again. We'll see if I uh, if I can. Mellow's back in the league. Find my love <laughs> love of basketball, but but yeah, I'm making a comeback this year. Um. We'll see how that goes, man. Should be interesting. Should be interesting here, yeah. But let's delve right into it, man. We got a lot to cover, and we have a super cool uh, guest that I want to introduce everybody to. So uh, this guest here, his name is Steve, and Steve and I have a very unique relationship in the sense that uh, Steve and I have never met before, <laughs> to, to, say, to tell you the truth. Um, we, we've had interactions through uh, a Facebook group that we're both a part of. It's uh, The Ringer NBA, so yeah. The Ringer is a podcasting network mm -hmm. uh by uh, bill simmons so he yeah. started that there's yeah. a, they got a lot of different sports pods but uh that is the nba group so there's a lot of nba talk and it's pretty cool yeah going back and forth and steve is one of the legends of the group yeah uh, i'm sure he he's aware of that as well the people go crazy for his posts man they like his content and uh actually steve and i got in touch earlier this year bef either before or on the playoffs uh and we were talking because uh, actually, the cooler tidbit is Steve is a Milwaukee native, Milwaukee and we were just talking. He's a Milwaukee Bucks season ticket holder as well, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and we were we were chatting, and we we're like, "Yo, we got to get you on the pod and talk about you know Milwaukee from your perspective, and you know just hear somebody else's perspective on that." So, um, for some reason, we couldn't get it going, but finally, we're able to have guests on the pod. So yeah. we were, uh, I instantly reconnected. I said, "Hey, Steve, we got to get you on." So here we are. Uh, without further ado, Steve Sabatini, how you doing, man? What's up, guys? How you doing? We're doing Not pretty bad. well. We're doing pretty well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I gave you a pretty pretty lengthy introduction there, but uh, I guess I start us off that. by telling us how you find your way onto the Ringer NBA group. Well, I don't know. First things first, congratulations on your uh, your NBA championship. And I like how our wow. tagline the entire year is Bucks in six, and it just ends up being Raps in six. I thought that was very, very fitting. That was awesome. <laughs> thank, thank you. We thank appreciate you. that. Thank you. <laughs> I don't I, – honestly, I can't even remember how I got a part of that group. I think, like, somebody I know sent me an invite or I somehow got invited, and I just kind of got in there. And it was actually – yeah, it was last year, right, that group started, and we just kind of – kind of went from there and and here we are and it was it was fun i mean there's a lot of a lot of hot takes that i don't think age very well in there and i think people just like to uh say some some interesting stuff but i mean for the most part yeah i think it's a good group and i think you get a lot of you know you learn a lot about other teams fan bases like i learned about you guys you know raps fans and i think hopefully you guys got to learn more a little bit about me um during the season and yeah it's just it's great to finally uh be on and finally connect with you guys 
No, absolutely. And I think uh, you were mentioning it. There is a lot of hot takes, but also what I like about that group is you, you know what's trending in basketball by going on to that group. Like, for example, Luca has 41, 10, and 6, and all you're seeing is Luca Doncic. Luka, Luka, Luka. Is Luca the best athlete in the world? I'm like, guys, this guy can barely run up and down the court. He's a great player, absolutely. But athlete, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. But I mean, um, just – just the way the talk with Luke is, if there's ever going to be a world president, we might as well just nominate him because he's going to win it. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, before we get into this, Steve, I want to know what's the what is the background of bu- hashtag Bucks and Six? So, Steve, f- for your information, Zay, Steve puts mm-hmm. hashtag Bucks and Six on everything, even if it's not even a Bucks post. Okay, so that's why I'm oh. trying to understand what that means. Oh, okay, I'll explain it to you. So, just a brief history of the Milwaukee Bucks franchise. We suck. Um. It's been, we have not been good for a long time. I mean, we had, you know, obviously we had Kareem. We won a title with Kareem. He wanted out of Milwaukee. Um, we, he went to L.A. Um, we had the big old Oscar Robinson, the original triple-double uh, Russell yeah, Westbrook. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then in the 80s, the Bucks were always competitive. But, you know, there was always Boston. There was always Philly. There was always Detroit. There was always Chicago. We could never get through them. And then it's just been heartbreak in the late 90s, early 2000s. We had Ray Allen, my favorite book of all time, Big Dog, Sam Cassell, the big three. Obviously, everyone remembers the 2001 Eastern Conference Finals where may or may not have gotten screwed by the refs. Who knows? But the Bucks and Six started when, I don't know if you guys remember, we drafted Brandon Jennings. And Brandon Jennings, you know, for the first couple of years was pretty good. And then we, you know, we ended up getting, we traded Andrew Bogut. He had a freak injury against um, the Phoenix Suns and Amari Stoudemire. He was never the same. We ended up trading Andrew Bogut to Golden State for Monte Ellis. And it was just, bleh. it was not good basketball. It was not fun to watch. And we played the Miami Heat. I can't remember if it was the first year of LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh together, the second year. But they, they asked, Craig Sager asked Brandon Jennings, like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. And Brandon Jennings, with confidence, said, Bucks and Six. And I, it's you just know what, I actually remember that, yeah. And, and by the way, the Miami Heat swept us. I don't think any game was close. I think we got beat <laughs> by double digits every single game. So, like, the Bucks and Six thing is kind of just us kind of making fun of ourselves. We're kind of just, every time we get something good happens with the Milwaukee Bucks, it just ends badly. Like I said, we win a title. Kareem has to be traded. We have Ray Allen. We go to the Eastern Conference Finals. George Carl, one of the worst coaches ever, trades Ray Allen. It's just one heartbreak after the other. So we're just – and sure enough, what do you know? Giannis is – next year he is eligible to sign a max contract, and he says he doesn't want to talk about it until the end of the year. So it's just – like I said, we say bucks and six. It's kind of – we kind of – it's our kind of our rallying cry, but, I, you know, the majority of, if not all, Bucks fans know that we're just kind of making fun of ourselves. So, we don't take ourselves too seriously, so to speak. So, so let's stick with the Bucks and Six, and you know, maybe, maybe take us back from a a Bucks fan's perspective. You know, you guys are up two zero on the Raptors in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. Everyone's calling it a series. Not me. And you guys no, are saying no, no. now Bucks in four. Take us back yes. and like maybe just from your perspective, from from you know the city's perspective, how from games I guess maybe even from the beginning of the series. How did, how did that momentum build for games one and two, and then how did it eventually drop off and fall for the, for, the, for the next four games? Well, I think after the first two games, we were feeling pretty good. I mean, if you remember, um, game one was the so-called Kyle Lowry game. You know, we survived that. 
Um, game two, I believe it was, I mean, the Bucks led from wire to wire. It wasn't really that close. And then you add game three, man. I mean, I was just, I was just talking with Fady the other day about it on like, that was, a, I don't think people realize, you know, that game three was double overtime. I mean, it was, it was right there. And if the, I think if the Bucks win that game, you know, I, I think the series is probably over. I don't know how Toronto would kind of recover from that, but I mean, you know, game four, I think the Bucks were clearly exhausted. I mean, Toronto had all the momentum. And then I was actually at, I was actually all the playoffs games in game five. The city was hype. Everybody was ready to go. I mean, there was Bucks gear. There was tents all over the city. It was beautiful out. And, you know, the Bucks get that big lead. And, you you know, at the end of the, the first half, you're feeling good. You're feeling confident. And then all of a sudden, Toronto just comes storming back. Toronto beats them. And then you go up to Toronto in game six. And it was similar. I remember for game six, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly where I was. I was at a a bar with a couple of my buddies and you see the bucks get out to another double digit lead. Mm-hmm. Everything's going the way they want it to. And you can kind of see Toronto slowly starting to make a comeback. The crowd's getting into it. And I remember looking over at my buddy, I said, if Milwaukee gets down in this game, it's over. Like they're mm-hmm. not going to be able, they're not going to be able to come back. You know, they're going to win. But you know, one of the things I think what's cool about Toronto is, you know, everybody on that team went through some sort of heartbreak. You know what I mean? Like they all, Milwaukee, those guys have never been there before. They've yeah. never kind of gone up that mountain, so to speak, like Toronto. You could look at every single person on Tor- Kawhi. I mean, remember Kawhi with the Spurs or with the Spurs? You know, they blew that lead to Miami. Um, yeah, Kyle yeah. Lowry. How many times have Ky- has Kyle Lowry gotten ripped on in the playoffs? You know, all those guys. Even, even Fred Van Fleet. Too. Yeah. Even Fred Van Fleet in college. I mean, he's a four year. Well, he was a four year player. Wichita State, I think. Yeah, Wichita. I mean, yeah, he was on the undefeated team. Yeah. And, and that guy just, I mean, he, I mean, he seriously shot like Steph Curry to me. He was the, he was the <laughs> difference maker, but those guys have all been there. They've all been resilient and they've all experienced heartbreak And Milwaukee. Just, they didn't know, they didn't know how to handle themselves in that situation. Yeah. And for the most part last year, and even in the playoffs, they never faced really any adversity. So, I mean, I, Hey, Toronto deserved to win. They beat them fair and square. I do think that series was a little bit closer than what, um, than what people realize, you know, just from, you know, game three and then five and six. I mean, the Bucks mm-hmm. were up double digits in both games and just couldn't couldn't close the deal. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's funny you bring that up because a lot of people don't even realize that Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam actually won the D League championship a couple years back. Well, G League, yeah. Now. yeah. Uh, but Pascal was also the Finals MVP. I'm in no way comparing. Um, G League championships, the NBA championships, but it, it is, it you know, the too. field that you are in at the time, and it is, you know, you are the best of what you're doing in the league that you're playing in at the time. So it, it definitely takes a certain character to get through that. And and honestly, honestly, Steve, I don't know what you guys did, but you revived Fred Van Vliet, not just for the playoffs, <laughs> but now he's looking like a comfortable starter. He's looking like, yeah. like get rid of Lowry. I'm, I'm your guy. I'm here and I'm ready. Like I'm ready for that. And I don't know what it was. And it, definitely, I know at the time we were saying, Oh, it was the birth of his son. And that was yeah, the good luck charm, but that. <laughs> something had, something had been unlocked in that series. And, and he's just been, he's taken off from there. You also, you sure. also look at, you also look at Marcus too. He's been in the league for a while and never could get over the hump. So he's kind of been through all the adversity. Um, Serge, Serge Ibaka, Ibaka was in the yeah. finals with OKC can never get back so like what you're Lowry saying every year getting it, swept exactly, by lebron exactly so what you're saying with like we've been there and you look at the young it, pretty much a young bucks team really led by Giannis, who hasn't really been through adversity and then we talk we, no and, yeah you're, and you're you gotta be on. in that situation 
Yeah, and I we I mean I remember just talking, you know, kind of during those playoffs and it, with with my friends and, and Bucks fans in general. And when was the last time an NBA team has has gone and won a championship without you know facing adversity or getting knocked down or feeling heartbreak the previous year? I mean, it's 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 pretty rare. I mean, maybe people like to go that Dallas and Miami uh, Heat series, but I mean, even Dirk and a lot of those people on that team. Remember they they got swept by Golden State and Golden State was the A seed. Yeah, I mean yeah. so like a lot of the like this is just a first. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I think it will be like this is just a lesson that this team had to go through and they'll be mm-hmm. able to bounce back. And yeah. so far this year, I mean they've been they they're granted it's November and I, I hate doing you know getting too far ahead of ourselves, but I think you know them especially in the East. I mean they've been the best team by far, and you can throw in you know. The Lakers have kind of had a little bit of a soft schedule, but they're playing great. And you yeah. know, obviously, I mean, the Clippers, I mean, holy man. I mean, Paul George and Kawhi and Patrick Beverly and Lou Will. Lou I mean, Will. they're, yeah. they're going to be tough, Trez. man. Yeah, Trez had man. like 34 and 12 last night off the bench. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 tough. And I think they're going to, but I think, you know, to Kawhi, the Clippers, they might not even be a one seed. And I think that, that could hurt them because, I mean, Kawhi Leonard has basically made it known he's playing 60 games a year and that's that. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks team this year. Um, I want to start with, you know, you, you talked about, you know, hopefully it was a lesson learned. Hopefully those guys come back and, um, kind of build off of that lesson learned. But how does the departure of Malcolm Brogdon affect your team? And what do you, I mean, what do you lose? And how do you guys make up for that this year? Well, I think what you lose is you lose his driving ability. I mean, if you watch, um. You know, whenever you watch this team play, and you can kind of see it a little bit, but I think they're getting a little bit more comfortable this year, is they really only had three guys that would drive last year. And it was Bledsoe, it was Giannis, and it was Malcolm Brogdon. And Malcolm Brogdon, I mean, obviously he was a starter last year for us, but he was the guy that would always play with more with the second unit. He would be a featured role. And you could yeah. just kind of see, he knew kind of when to exert his his presence on the floor. You'd see a, maybe the Bucks would come down and they'd miss three straight threes or something like that. And then you know, Malcolm Brogdon would be the guy that would be driving to the hole and maybe get a bucket, you know, to stop a to stop a run or something like that. Um, so, yeah, they're going to miss that, and I think they're going to miss that. If they miss it anywhere, I think that they're going to miss it um, in the playoffs. I, I think the regular season, I think what you're seeing, it, it's a wash for them. I, I think they're bored. Um, you can kind of tell. I don't I, I don't think they're as good as, the you know, the, the Steph, the Clay, the Draymond, and the Kevin Durant Golden State team. Obviously, they're not that good, but you can just kind of tell – they're bored. They'll get out to a big lead. Mm. They'll kind of toy around with the team, and then they'll just gonna they just blow them out in the fourth quarter. I mean, yeah. and statistically, this team is better than last year's team. I mean, they're I think they're averaging 118 points a game somewhere around there, and they're only giving up 100, 101 points per game. I mean, their strength of schedule has been hard, um, ridiculously hard. They've had a ton of games on the road. Um, I think they've won nine uh, nine out of their last ten. So I mean, statistically, guys are stepping up and they're playing good. I'm just wondering, you know, in that big moment, you know, when the playoffs come or it's crunch time, I think that's when you're going to see them miss Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. yeah. And he's playing like a super, like an all-star right now. <clears throat> well, and, that, and that's the thing, though. You know, I, I kind of, there's this narrative around, and I think it's completely unfair, you know, that all oh, the Bucks chose Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon, and that's just not the case. I mean, obviously, I don't know how much you guys know about Milwaukee, but Milwaukee is a ridiculously small city. I mean, it's one of the smallest cities in, in the NBA okay. and kind of everybody knows everything. And I mean, there was been rumors 
since January that Malcolm Brogdon didn't really like it here. He wasn't comfortable here. Uh, there was an article okay. that came out in the Undefeated about uh, you know kind of addressing some race issues. So I mean, I just think that you know he didn't want to be here. He wanted a larger role. I mean, I think the Bucks really wanted to sign him, and they would have resigned him. Right. Yeah. I have a feeling that he just kind of went to ownership and said, "Hey." I want to go someplace else. I want a little bit of a bigger role. And to be honest, it, it wasn't Bledsoe that was holding him back from having a bigger role. It was Giannis. I mean, Giannis, everything goes through Giannis. I mean, he's the one that's uh, taking the ball up the court. He's the one. Uh, he's going to get the ball in the post. He's going to. They're going to spread the floor, and he's going to pass it to guys. So, I mean, I love Malcolm. I wish that he was here. I'm going to die on that hill. I know a lot of Bucks fans, and Malcolm basically admitted it in an, in an article um, with The Athletic. You know, he wanted a bigger role, and I think yeah. that – whether whether we agree with it or not as fans, I mean, the Bucks ownership has made it a point that they're going to be as player-friendly of an organization as possible. And, you know, I don't. again, these guys aren't going to be as good as Malcolm, but they got a first-round pick, Robin Lopez and Kyle Korver, for Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, yeah. I, again, I'd rather have Malcolm Brogdon, but I, I, don't, I don't think that that's terrible in the return that no, they got it's for not him. Fair. Yeah. It's not. And, and just, just to your point, Steve, I searched it up. You guys are just under – uh, 120 points a game, 119.8. Yeah, and I I think one of the biggest things that people are really not considering, and uh, it, first of all, it's one thing to be averaging 120 points per game, and and people thinking that that's completely normal because of who the Milwaukee Bucks have become in the last year and a half, two years. Uh, but their record on the road is eight and two. Yeah, yeah. win road games. That's how you win. And they're and they, averaging and they're, 118 they're, points on the road per yeah. game. Yeah, and their only loss was Boston. And then they lost to Utah on a last-second three. I mean, they're they're playing tough, man. I mean, like I said, I think this team is ready. I think it's just it's it's so weird being a Milwaukee Bucks fan, and like the regular season just doesn't even matter right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, know. They, I mean, it, it doesn't. I, I I hate to say that because I love going to games, I love watching them, but it's just kind of like whatever. I mean, just call me when call me when June starts. You know what I mean? And that yeah. I think that they they have that mindset, and I'm I'm really excited. I think the the Chris Middleton injury is a little bit of a blessing in disguise. I think that, you know, seeing some of these guys step up a little bit. I mean, I'm a humongous Dante DiVincenzo fan. It, it was yeah. it was kind of a bummer that he was hurt last year. And he's, I think you, you guys can look it up. I can't remember where I saw it, but I'm pretty sure like him and Sterling Brown in the limited time that they play, I think they're both for DVOA defensively. I think they're both top five in in, in the entire NBA. And that's, I mean, that's pretty good. And those guys, I mean, there's just, just going to be – they're getting more reps. They're getting more opportunities. Yeah. And that's – I mean, that's all you can really ask for. And Giannis – I think Giannis is only averaging 30, 31 minutes a game. Yeah. And he's putting up, like, numbers. 30 points a game. I actually have his – I had his stats up here. But, no, he's he's having a hell of, hell of a year. And he's also become that guy that people look at and they're like, oh, he only had 30, 10, and 4. No triple double, <laughs> no triple double, no triple no double whatever, tonight. Yeah. And with him, and with him, man, I, I, I think, you know, just watching him, watching him in pregame warmups, watching him last year, watching him this year. I mean, the only thing that's going to be holding him him back is mentally. I mean, he could. I said it last year. You know, he can shoot threes. You watch him warm up. You watch what well, you hear about all the stuff in practice. He hits those threes, and now you're starting to see that you know, kind of transcend into live game action. And, you know, this free throw thing has kind of got me a little bit worried. I mean, it's just he seems to be getting worse and worse every year. But when he takes his time and he's not in his own head and he just shoots it, I mean, it goes in all the time. But, I, I mean, I just think that's something that he's going to he's gonna have to deal with. And I think going through some of this stuff 
in October, in November, in December is just going to benefit this team in the long run. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I checked again. He's 32.6 minutes a game, putting up 30, 14, and 6, uh, <laughs> shooting 56% from the field, 29% from three. Honestly, for Giannis, yeah, yeah. much improved. He has a lot, lot of yeah, ways lot of to room, go, but fifty nine percent free throws is a little bit of a concern. But I, I'm sure he'll it's figure it out. It's a huge concern. Yeah, more. I, and I think, like I said, I think they're just they're just. Budenholzer has his team ready for playoff basketball in yeah. June. I think that I just think that's where where they're headed. And I mean, the East. I mean, I know you guys kind of want to talk about the Bucks, but I mean, the Raptors are balling right now. Yeah. I mean, Philly. Philly looks like they're the worst of the bunch between Boston, Milwaukee, and Toronto right now. But I think that's, you know, I think they have some issues there with their fit between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Yes. But, I mean, I think the East is, especially those top four teams, I think they're going to be a lot better and it's going to be a lot a lot tougher than I think maybe people realized before the season started. Yeah, and uh, to your point too, Philly and Toronto play tonight, so that should be exciting. And I think also Philly's becoming like Milwaukee in the sense where the the regular season is boring to them. They have a goal and they know where they stand in the conference, so they might just be checked out as well. But one more, um, one more Bucks question for you, Steve, and then we'll get into uh, another topic that we kind of lamented to earlier. But if you had to see one thing change from last playoffs to this playoffs in order for you guys to get over that hump to go to the finals to potentially win that championship, what would there? What would the change need to be within the team? I think they just need. I just think from if we're talking about this personnel group. I think they just need to relax and calm down and not let the moment get too big for them. I mean, like I said, just watching uh, game six last year um, in Toronto when obviously the Raptors beat them, you could just kind of feel, you could feel the momentum shift. And and to me, I mean, I know everyone kind of likes to poke fun at Eric Bledsoe, and, and, and I understand it. I mean, he has not been, offensively at least, he has not been good um, in the playoffs, but Eric Bledsoe just needs to do what he does. He needs to play defense. I mean, he's a lot of people. I haven't really made this comparison public, like in the Ringer uh, Facebook group, but really, Eric Bledsoe was just a better offensive version of Marcus Smart. I mean, they both were all defensive team last year. You know, that's their. We don't want Eric Bledsoe shooting 15, 16 times a game. You know, yeah. we want him playing defense. It's up to, you know, Chris Middleton got the big money. You know, he $177 million. He's got to oh, yeah. step up. You know, Giannis. You want to get paid? I I think the number is what two sixty, two seventy million. I mean, those are those are the two guys that I look at that are going to have to step up. I mean, yeah. I think the role players, the bench players, they'll be fine. Brooke Lopez will be fine, but I mean, you know, look at Kawhi last year. I mean, Kawhi stepped up and he and he helped shut Giannis down, and he got yeah. you know his supporting cast stepped up. But mm-hmm. I just think you know these superstars, they all have their moments, and I think Giannis just needs to know. Hey, I need to take over this game. Whether it's shooting from the outside, whether it's getting fouled and making your free throws, whether it's a big defensive play, to me, he needs to be the one that needs to take that next step. And I think, you know, you just said the stats. I mean, it's a reason why you know they've only lost uh, three games this year is because he has taken that next step. Yeah, for sure. Um, regular so- se- regular season wise, I should say he has taken that next step. I think you know his next. Uh, maturation is he's got to step up in the playoffs a little bit better than what he did last year against Toronto. For sure, for sure. And uh, that was amazing, amazing, extensive Milwaukee Bucks yeah. <laughs> content, so we do appreciate <laughs> that. And uh, let, let's move over to talking about somebody that has been my personal favorite since this podcast has started, since his NBA career has started, 
Um, but I mean, at this point, I, I'm just sounding like everybody else who says, oh, I, he's my favorite player too. Mr. Luka Doncic, last week's player of the week. Uh, I was just looking at this on uh, on Instagram. I think he was putting up, uh, it was a 30, 37, 9, and 12 on the week, uh, leading leading the Mavericks to the fourth seed right now with an 11-4 and four record compared to what they were last year. And also with a little bit of the disappointment that Porzingis has been just in his slow process of getting back. I know he's had some good games, uh, but hasn't really been you know, what I expected him to be, but I guess I expected too much considering he missed like a year and a half of basketball. Um, But I love what I'm seeing from Luka Doncic is going out there being a veteran. Uh, You know, we talk about this all the time, his step-back ability, his his step-back ability is ridiculous. His handle, his three-point shot-making ability, his plays down the stretch, his passing. I don't know what he did this summer on his lobbing, but his lobbing has been spot on the season. Um, so tell me, Zeta, about uh, you know where you stand on this Doncic thing. I know everyone's talking MVP, everyone's talking future goat. I mean, it's crazy yeah, to think that this guy's only 20, twenty years old. Nineteen ninety nine. He's he's ninety nine. <laughs> Imagine if he was two thousand. That'd be even that'd be even crazy. That'd but, be crazy. John, I'm pretty sure John Morant is two thousand. But you see, like he's 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 nineteen ninety nine as well. You, you put him in the category with like all these guys. Every it seems like every game he's becoming the youngest player to do X Y Z. Becoming the youngest player to do. 30-point triple-double or 35-point, 40-point triple-double, whatever it may be. And he gets put, in, put into categories with LeBron and, 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 and Kobe. He crushes and categories he, with LeBron. Yeah, right? So you look at his, his ceiling, like this dude, I mean, at the very minimal, he could be the best international player that we've ever seen. Like, I mean, under him or, or um, I mean, you have Dirk and then you have also like Hakeem Olajuwon who don't people don't really consider that. Like they, they, Tim Duncan, Tim I guess, Duncan, is considered say, international. But, but like, I guess, out of, let's just go out. Of, let's just go out of Europe. He could be the best European player at, at at the very least. And then, what like what else could he like this? He's he's gonna win a ring at some point. You know, at some point, like it'll be a disappointment. I think it, if he doesn't exactly. And you see, like, and uh, we talked about it like um, a couple of weeks ago about like how the Russes, the James Hardens, the Paul Georges, these guys are gonna push 30, 35 eventually. And he's only twenty, and he's. As as they're declining, he's going to be just getting into his prime. So, you you look at what he can do and what he's doing right now. Like he's already far beyond his years, and he's been playing professional basketball for what like five or six years already. So, I think the Mavs have to just keep on putting the right pieces around him. Um, you know, you got KP, who you hope can really start to you know pick up, and he's not playing. I mean, he's not playing as as well as we thought we, he was going to play. But, um, I think once they get an once they get a solidified big in KP, um, they've got a great coach in Rick Carlisle, who apparently, like you know, people rave about. Like he's every, all the players love him. Yeah. Um, and once they get you know maybe one or two key more key role players, maybe off the bench or um, another maybe four four man, like you you've got a great team. They've got a great team now. They're in playoff yeah. contention. They haven't been in years. Um, so you know his future is 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 like mad bright. Is it going to happen right now? Is he going to start winning right now? No. Um, we just talked about like going through heartbreak, going through bad seasons, or going through um, situations where you have to learn from for the Bucks. I'll challenge you though, because he's international and he's won an MVP internationally. He's won a championship internationally, so maybe it's not NBA stage, mm-hmm. but from when he was 16, he's been put in that pressure. Absolutely, and, and, and it comes down to his teammates though. Like I, I just don't think that their supporting cast is championship caliber. Not yet, not yet, absolutely not. Yet. They have a lot of guys with yeah. talent and yeah. a lot of potential, but again, you're not championship ready against mm. a Lakers team that looks 
just so poised and veteran and and mix of yeah. veteran and youngsters and they're looking really good and the Clippers obviously Steve was talking about earlier just with PG and Kawhi and and their core and having the number one and two defensive scores in the NBA in Trez and Lou yeah it's ridiculous it's it's a it's a massive blessing to have come off your bench um so those kinds of things in a seven game series I see Dallas struggling but Luca Luca's special man people yeah. people just don't they don't think about his career before the NBA. They, don't, they think yeah, he's just yeah. another kid that's that's hearing that this kid, quote unquote kid, is ages ahead of his time. He's not athletic. He's, he's a twenty-five-year-old, twenty-year-old. Yeah, he's purely skilled. You know, this guy is this guy's getting triple doubles, and he's not athletic. But they say like he can't jump high. He doesn't run fast. He's just skilled. He knows yeah. how to he knows how to be properly positioned. Like and you strong. Can, he's strong, right? Yeah. And his handle is nice. He can play make like. The things he's doing, and and imagine if he had an athletic body type. Yeah, it's insane, right? Imagine what he could do. The, the the I think the 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 best part about this entire season so far for Luca, and I love him by the way. Consider me a Luca stan. It, they're winning. You know what I mean? The, 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 his team. I think you said he's fourth in the West, right? Yeah, eleven like and they're, four. They're, they're winning, and I don't think any a lot of people. I think what they had before the season started, probably Dallas as the eighth or the ninth seed, mm-hmm. and I, I think I agree with both of you guys. I mean, I I don't really like their supporting cast. I've never really been a big uh, Prozingis guy. I think yeah. that he, I can we can we say he's kind of injury prone? Is that okay to say that? I mean, this early yes. in his yeah, career, yeah, say it, that for sure. It always seems to be something. But one thing about Luca, and I don't know, I've been I've been kind of saying it a little bit, and I don't mean to kind of kind of troll this team but everyone likes to point the blame at at the Trey Young Luka Doncic thing and you look about it you look at it from Atlanta's point of view I think Atlanta saw it as you know they needed a similar to like the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden not to go like NFL like you know they had they they had a lot of holes that they needed to have and they got they got a lot of draft picks and you remember uh this year's draft if they if some of those ping pong balls drop their way they may get they may get Zion they may get they may have what do they have three lottery picks that they had and Mm -hmm. it's just that's kind of bad luck, but I think the Phoenix Suns should be absolutely getting killed that they did not draft Luka Doncic number one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. could you imagine Luka and Devin Booker? They had they had his they had his Igor, you know, his his national team coach. They had the number one pick. They had a fan base. I mean, you go back to those Steve Nash teams. You know, you know the fan base is going to come out. They're going to be loud. They're going to represent the Phoenix Suns. And in an era where you know the the big or the or the five man is becoming it's come becoming more of a guard oriented league. Mm-hmm. What do the Phoenix Suns do? They go out and they draft Aiton. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, it, it just makes. I, I can't believe. And you know, obviously, I think all of us, you know, probably at some point have listened to Bill Simmons and and all this other stuff. And everyone likes to make a big deal out of the Atlanta thing. I, I don't really fault Atlanta for what their thinking was. I think the math was in their favor. Um, I think if they could go back, they probably would have taken Luca. But, I mean, you know, you see that Atlanta trade, and you can kind of understand it a little bit, like what their thinking was. Yeah. But, I mean, from a Phoenix Suns point of view, I mean, we can get into the Kings. I mean, they're just, like, one of the most dysfunctional franchises, like, ever. Yeah. So, I mean, that you kind of understand. But I have no idea why the Phoenix Suns get a pass, and I have no idea what they were thinking and not taking him. Yeah, and, and it's funny you bring that up because they – like the first thing you said was they literally hired Igor Kokoshkov or whatever the heck his name is, yeah. <laughs> who's his former international coach. Coaching. And you're like, okay, like we did this before the draft. It is almost 100% certain we know where Luka Doncic is going to go. And then they end up hiring Aiden and then they fire Igor. Yeah. I, 
makes zero. It just that I just I don't I don't understand it at all. It makes was, zero. How could you know that owner Robert Sarver, who's got to be up there for one of the worst owners in sports? The worst. I mean, the worst. I was yeah, going to say that it was him. I was reading something. He wanted Aiden. Yeah, and I have because he went to Aiden. He went to Arizona. I mean, that's that's got to be the only Homegrown. reason why they drafted him. It makes, makes it makes zero sense. And that's not to say that Aiden's going to be a bad player. I don't think we know yet. But I mean, Luka Doncic, like like we said, I mean, he is on pace. I mean, he's if hopefully this kid doesn't get hurt because I know he's played. He's been playing professionally since he was mm-hmm. sixteen. Yeah. But I mean, this kid's trajectory is off the charts, man. I mean, he's going to be he's going to have that Dallas team in the playoff hunt for years and years and years to come. Yeah, and sure. it's you just to, to pass on a player like that, especially when like we they hired his coach. I, it makes, it just makes zero sense to me. No. And, and you, you bring up like, imagine having him beside Devin Booker. We're oh my all we're God. preaching about this year is they have a point the, guard. Yeah. The, the best thing that the Phoenix Suns went and did was get Ricky Rubio. So they can have a, off the guy, uh, or they can have Booker play off the ball rather, and imagine having somebody who's ten times the player Ricky Rubio is, yeah, but be the facilitator just way better, and be the guy who can be, you know, have the dribble and and let D book play off the ball, and then with Kelly Oubre, Kaminsky, and the and the pickups mm-hmm. that they made in the off season, it would just be ridiculous. Like Phoenix would be the eleven and four Dallas Mavericks, in my opinion, no, you because could, could, you Phoenix could. Phoenix has exactly what Dallas is missing. In yep. terms of the supporting cast, Phoenix has a great supporting cast, and they went and made a lot of great moves in the off season. I love watching them play. I know right now they're they're missing Baines and, and Rubio, and obviously Aiton with suspension. But full full health, I think that team can definitely squeeze into the playoffs. Definitely not going to win a championship, but I, I mean, in comparison to what they were a year, two years, three years ago, the last four or five years in general, it's definitely a huge upgrade. I also and like gotta, that. And, oh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I also like Steve that you you brought up the the trade with uh, the Hawks and and the Suns because like uh, the Hawks and uh, and the Mavs where they basically swapped Luca for for Trey. Trey. That there's no lose lose in that situation really, right? So you you look at the style that that Trey plays, it fits with how Atlanta's playing and their personnel, and you look at how Luca's playing, it fits with how Rick Carlisle's playing and the, and the personnel they have there. So. You're right in saying you can't fault Atlanta for doing what they did. They kind of took a little bit of a gamble, and they also kind of had a essentially like a security blanket in a way by by by, by taking Trey because Trey's been putting up unreal numbers as well. And and you know they're not obviously leading to wins like Luca is, but they're also but the Mavs are also better equipped than, than the Hawks are. Yeah, and I I just think that you know they gamble. I I want to say I don't I I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but I want to say that with that trade. Atlanta was going to have, they had three lottery picks. And one of those picks, I mean, who knows if something bounces right? What if one of those picks is the number one pick and they get Zion? And now you have Zion and Trey Young. So you essentially traded Luka for Trey Young and Zion. Now, That'd obviously, it, it didn't work out that way. But I, I'm just saying, like, I, I understand. I can look at Atlanta and say, all right, they took a gamble. I understand the math and I understand what they were trying to do. You know, Sacramento. I mean, I know, you know, that story came out about Vladi Divox and, like, didn't like his dad. What, I, I mean, Vladi Divox is running that organization. That should just tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. And then, like, Phoenix, I, I just – you Phoenix desperately wanted a star. There's your Steve Nash right there. You get to go from Steve Nash, you, you know, you, you're you going to be put bad for a couple of years, and then you go, go right to Luka. I mean, it's just – I cannot believe that they didn't draft him. 
Yeah, and I was just going to bring up the Vladi Divac thing in terms of not liking his dad, not thinking he was I, – I read a report on it. It was I think it was Complex that did it, but it was something like he didn't think his dad was much of a player, and it was like a like father-like-son oh type of God, deal. That's a terrible <laughs> thing. And, oh. and honestly, and I think also what it had to do with – so Luka's father, I believe, is Serbian or Serbian descent, but he ended up going to Slovenia, and, they, and then he elected to play for Slovenia, and then – Divac is Serbian, and he's been openly like passionate about the team Serbia and and the country and all that. So it, it could have been a cultural thing as well. But at the end of the day, like Steve said, if Vladi Divac is running your organization, making all these decisions, like can we talk about Harrison Barnes? Oh. How many times are you going to mess up and take Harrison Barnes the gamble? How many times? You could have gotten away with it, and then you've locked him up again for four more years. It, it, I just think that, that that entire franchise is just dysfunctional. I mean, you look at, I don't know if you guys saw the, the, the story on ESPN by Kevin Artovitz that came out, I want to say it was Thursday or Friday, but they had, a, they had a guy that worked for them, one of their VPs or something that embezzled like $13 million from them. And, and how do you, it's just, it's yeah. a comp- franchise of dysfunction. I mean, I, no disrespect to the Kings fans. I mean, the Kings-Lakers rivalry was cool. They should have moved that team to Seattle. I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that, but they—they're just—it's just dysfunction, and it's going to remain dysfunction because they have an, an owner who, you know, remember the owner? Didn't the owner come out and say he wanted to play four on five basketball? It's just—it's just, it's just a, <laughs> a franchise of dysfunction. I mean, they do the Jaeger thing now. They do the Luke Walton thing. It's just—I I don't oh understand what they're doing. I mean, I like De'Aaron Fox. He'll probably want out of there soon if he's smart. Yeah, it, it's wait. just. It's just it's just a mess, you know what I mean, and it sucks because I remember, you know, kind of you know growing up with those Kings Lakers series with C Web and Mike Bibby and Jason Williams and obviously Vadi, and you know you wanted them to beat the Lakers so bad because everyone hates the Lakers, but yeah, it's just I mean outside of that, I, there's just been mediocrity, you know that for that entire franchise, and it sucks. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I just can't believe they took Marvin Bagley. Like when I when I think back, like Marvin Bagley. At number two, it was a number two. Yeah, did they come? yeah, yeah. Easy high. I don't even understand. Was he on anybody's radar that high? I, I don't. You'd have to check some mocks. I mean, I'm sure he was probably going to be top five, top six, maybe. I would, I would think. But then again, it's the king, so I don't, who knows what he thinks? Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask the both of you guys, and I'll go with Zade first. It's uh, I have two teams that I want to ask you guys about. Are you sold on, or are you not? Selling so the line. first team. The Houston Rockets, Zade, are you sold on the Houston Rockets early season success? I'm never no? sold. I'm never sold on the Houston Rockets. Only because basically like Harden does the same thing every year. It's great. Um, you know, he puts up numbers, he scores, he gets them wins, which is great. Is it gonna work in the playoffs? That's all like like all Houston fans, all NBA fans, are, okay, listen, they've been doing this for the past three, four, five years or whatever it may be, and then they always fall short in the playoffs. And you know, I've yeah, I just look suspicious. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm on the phone, man. I can't talk right now. What, do you need me to move? No, I'm not oh. in the parking lot. Oh. Um, 18 years in prison, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Got graphics, blah, blah, blah. But once you don't do bus tickets, I do the first. Just I got no money, man. I'm on the phone, though. I got no money. Sorry about that, guys. No worries. Boys, we'll start right now. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's I mean, that's as, as authentic a Milwaukee experience <laughs> as we can have on this podcast. <laughs> that, is, that is, man. That's... That's what I'm talking about. I apologize for that, man. No worries. We're going to wrap up soon anyways. Um, 
but they do the same thing every year. You, obviously, you add Rust, he gives you a new dynamic, but he doesn't quite fit the Mike D'Antoni system where they want to shoot, and, and he fits the system from the perspective where he want, you want him to push the ball, but he can't really shoot the ball. So how does it work in the playoffs? Everyone I've read, I've, I've listened to you know different debate shows, whatever podcast, saying, you know, James Harden's body should be conditioned in a way where he's used to doing this every game. So when it comes to March, April, May, even hopefully maybe June, his body shouldn't be giving out. Yeah. But every year we see that his body gives out or, you know, obviously you had that one year against Golden State where they missed 27 straight threes and CP goes down and whatever. So am I sold on them? Not yet. I need to see how it works in the playoffs and see how – I need to see more of how Russ and James Harden are going to work because Russ isn't playing particularly well. Yeah. Um, Clint he Capella, has his games. He has his games. And Clint Capella hasn't been playing well. I have him no, 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 no. You're not paying attention. No. He has like six or seven straight 20 rebound games. Six of his last like seven games or something. So he's picked it up. So there you go. I mean, Russ hasn't been stealing his, <laughs> Russ hasn't <laughs> been like, stealing come on, his rebounds. We're not slandering uh, Clinton here. Because I saw today. a stat about how his numbers went down, how his, how his rebounding numbers went down, and how it showed, a picture, took it to heart. It showed a picture of Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So uh, sure. obviously, <laughs> you know, obviously that was, that was a bit fitting, but. Um, <laughs> So you see, obviously, uh, I mean, he's re- he's rebounding better. Um, so I want to see how Russ is going to fit better in that system on that team. Yeah. Then I'll we'll, we'll see. You know, if we're really sold on them. How about you, Steve? You sold on Houston? I think it. I think it's too early. I mean, I like Houston before the season. I said that I wouldn't be shocked if they were the number one seed. Um, I really wouldn't be. I like Westbrook on that team over um, Chris Paul. But again, I think I think you just hit it on the head. Though we see this, we've seen this the last couple of years with Harden. In the regular season, he's amazing, and in the playoffs, you know he's going to break down. I mean, you know, and I think Daryl Morey gets a little bit too much love from for my liking, at least. Yep. To I don't think they built around that team enough. I don't think they've. I know load management is really popular right now, and I know James Harden has said that he wants to play, but for whatever reason, his body hasn't adjusted to playing this much, and I. I don't know if he gets asked to do a lot, but, I mean, you basically had two years ago, you were up 3-2 on Golden State, and you were a Chris Paul injury away from winning. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you know, you but, – and didn't they – they missed all those threes in that playoff series. 27 that game. Yeah, and then, you know, last year, I mean, you get uh, Kevin Durant's out. You, you know, that's your – that is your time to beat that team, and you couldn't do it. I mean, They were you up know, 3-2 as well. Yeah, I mean, kudos to Houston for, you know, trying to go for it. You know, I, I appreciate that from a competitive standpoint. But I just think that we've seen this movie a lot, you know, the last couple of years. And James Harden is going to put up – he's already complained. He was complaining, you know, the last game that, oh, they're double-teaming me and all this other stuff. You know, there has no one has ever been in the league double-teamed like how he's getting double-teamed. It's like, man, just shut up and play. You know, your defense, <laughs> your defense has sucked, you know, this year so far. I don't know. I, he's going to put up ridiculous numbers. The analytics crowd, which I love analytics. I'm not, you know, I don't mean to slam it, but the analytics crowd is going to go nuts and say how great James Harden is. And then once the playoffs start, he's going to get into a series. Like, do we really think that James, that Kawhi or Paul George aren't going to be able to shut James Harden down or at least uh, limit very him? At least tire him ridiculously. Yeah. I mean, and, and they got Patrick Beverly they can put on him. Like, I just. Yeah. I just think he's going to be great in the regular season, and when the playoffs come, it's going to be much of the same that we've yeah. seen the last couple of years. For sure. And uh, quickly before we wrap it up, uh, the Lakers, 
Uh, me personally, I was not as sold before the season, but I love the way that the Lakers are gelling right now. LeBron looks really, really good. Um, it's really ridiculous to think this is year 17 and nobody from his draft is even relevant, let alone like playing or active. Meanwhile, he's oh, top that's five in the NBA. to Carmelo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I attribute to Carmelo, but I mean, LeBron is still a healthy top five and if not even top three. So, I mean, I, I'm really sold on, on uh, the Lakers. I know, Zadie, you're a big AD LeBron sold. supporter. You're sold too. Steve, what are you feeling? Um, I'm sold on LeBron. I'm not really sold on everybody else. I mean, I'm with you. I, I think LeBron is just, I mean, part of the reason why he's so fantastic is just his durability and his longevity. I mean, it's sure. amazing what he does. Um, you knew he was going to come back this year. I don't really trust the Lakers' depth too much, and I gotta be honest, I'm not. I'd like to see Anthony Davis in a big game. You know, when was the last time we've yeah. ever seen Anthony Davis in a big game? Yeah, um, for sure. I still, I know, you know, it's kind of a little bit overblown. You know, his health and his durability. I know it's it's better than than what some people may think, but I mean, he's already been hurt a couple times this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Lakers have had a fairly easy schedule. Um, they got a, a couple tough games coming up. I'm sold on LeBron. I've never, I've never not been sold on LeBron. I mean, he's just, he's a beast. He's going to do his thing. Um, he's going to get that team to the playoffs. They're going to be competitive. If you're asking me right now if I'm sold on the Lakers as a whole, I'm not there yet. I still want to see them play. You know, a couple more teams above 500. You know, I know we had you know the great Luca game and we had the Clipper game early on, but I mean. Ever since then, I mean, their first back-to-back was against OKC and Memphis. You know, i just like to see them play a little bit more um, stiffer competition before I declare them. But as far as LeBron, whoo! Yeah, there goes that man, dude. I'm always on LeBron. Yeah, best way to put it. So before we wrap up, Steve, I just have one more question for you. I saved this one for the end. Um, How do you feel about the new Cream City jerseys? And (laughs) what does Cream City mean, bro? Who in the hell thought that that was going to be a good idea? I would just like to know who in the hell thought that that was going to be a good idea. I mean, I think everybody knows when they hear cream where their mind goes with that. <laughs> I cannot believe that they did that. The cream thing, like, it's they have it a little bit in their logo or in their color scheme. I mean, it's got to yeah. do with the brick of Milwaukee, you know, when kind of Milwaukee was first founded and, and some of the beer stuff, which, you know, that part's kind of cool, but... To put cream on the jersey, like what were you thinking? <laughs> I love it. I, love I can't it. believe it. But you know what? I mean, I'm sure people are going to go out and buy it just to make fun of ourselves because you know, like we say, man, bucks and six for the culture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely, Steve. We want to thank you so much for coming on, man. It was it was awesome conversation to hear from your perspective and and honestly that authentic piece in the middle there. Give us like a, a really. A really authentic Milwaukee experience. I feel like I I, I visited the city tonight. Um, we're we're both really appreciative of having yeah. you on, man. And thanks so much for for giving us your time. Thank you. Uh, you're going to the game tonight, which is going to be I, a big one. So uh, have a blast for us. Have a beer for us, and uh, and let's do this again, please. Yeah, man. Hey, I can't thank you both enough, man. This was awesome. I know, um, kind of in your intro, you know, we've been trying to do this for a while, and um, yeah, anytime you guys need me to jump on, um, you know. Definitely let me know, and I won't. Uh, I won't hesitate. I'm your guy, even if it's just not about uh, uh, Milwaukee. You know, we. I think uh, you know, judging just judging by our conversations, I think all three of us are pretty, pretty knowledgeable about the NBA. So, um, anything you guys need, man, I'm always there for you guys. Um, you guys, let me know, and I hope to talk to you guys soon. Absolutely, oh. sir. Enjoy your night. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Bucks and six. Let's yeah. do it.
Thanks, care, guys. Man. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Man, that was pretty dope. Cream City. That was, Cream City. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, that was real, real dope. Like, oh, just man. to get get that whole experience. And yeah. honestly, I, I was thinking of editing the the we whole part out, but I'm gonna that, keep that keep in that there for in there. sure, man. That was that was as authentic <laughs> was as it amazing. gets, man. That was some good content. So before we uh, before we end the episode, uh, it is our last uh, our last episode of the month, and we do have our our rookie, mm. our our fire. So who's the rookie of the month? This year, you wanna you wanna tell us the name, and then I'll go through sort of their stats and and uh, and and how they how they've been playing out so far. I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's a no brainer. It's a no brainer who is gonna beat this guy's been playing like a vet. He's been. I watched the the ending of the Laker Memphis game on Saturday night. They couldn't pull it out, but I was just seeing him down the stretch, man. John Morant, this kid. He's he's young. He's two thousand, like you said. He, uh, he was born in two thousand. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. So yeah. ninety nine. Um, first year guy, he's got a team full of vets around him. It's not like they're like a really young team and he's playing like he's a vet. Um, you know, down the stretch, key baskets, key takes to the bat to the rim, um, finishing with contact and ones. So like, you know, what is there that he can't do? You know, he's obviously not on that Luca level or whatever, but you know, he's pretty comparable to how Luca wasn't in his rookie season. Yeah, for sure. For sure. John Morant. 19 points, Oof. six assists, wow. three rebounds on the season. Leading all rookies in game winners, leading all rookies in scoring. Wow. This kid is a wow. veteran. He was born for the league. He looks like a vet. He acts like a vet. He's confident like a vet. And it's just been a no-brainer. He's head and shoulders above everybody. The only way I can see this swing any other way for rookie of the year is if somehow Zion comes back and just even if, has a massive even, second yeah. half of the season, two thirds. I just don't see any other rookie. I really haven't heard anything from RJ Barron in a while. Kendrick he's Nunn, doing well, but not Kendrick not, Nunn is doing well as well, but just like he's not John Morant right now. Yeah, he, John Morant's putting the team. John on his Morant back. is the guy. Yeah, you he's know the what guy I mean. So he's he's the leader. He's the un, like undoubted guy down down the stretch that they go to. So shout out John Morant and. Uh, we had a little bit, of, or we had a couple guys that we wanted to Shout to out. give uh, honorable mentions to. One of them is our very, oh. very, very own, yes, Mr. Terrence Davis. TD. Stand up, Toronto. Mr. Terrence Davis uh, has been playing really, really well mm-hmm. in his last five, six games. Yeah, uh, just coming out playing excellent defense, shooting the three really well, Shoot. scoring, just contributing all in all. And I think Nick Nurse was saying we've seen way more than we expected from this guy yeah. early on so it's a, it's a blessing to see this from him and uh shout out to him mm-hmm. and i think who's the second one that we had discussed there was another rookie that we want to i know kendrick nunn's been doing really well um but i sent you somebody earlier i can't remember we'll talk about it later though but yeah next, that, next month we'll, 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 we'll give them we'll, we'll a, an honorable honorable mention later on but yeah that's our uh that's our rookie for this month, Mr. John Morant. Probably going to be the rookie for the rest every, of the year. every month. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, we wrap up this awesome episode. Shout out to Steve Sabatini for his yeah. time today. Cream um, City, baby. Cream City, stand up. Um, but yeah, hopefully he doesn't hate us when uh, Giannis signs with us in free agency. <laughs> uh, but again, thanks, Steve, for coming out, and thank you guys for listening. We're uh, we're glad to bring this to you guys every week, and uh, hopefully. You continue to listen. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everything else in between. Uh, So shout out to you, and uh, we'll continue bringing this content to you. Easy.